As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon... What's in the air? That's love, baby. You're listening to the sexiest Android Dungeon episode of all time. Because it's one versus all. And other stuff. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting at the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. I am Jack. I'm Joel. And you're listening to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM. <laughs> Guelph, Ontario. I don't. I forgot all of my cheesy <laughs> DJ things. Oh, what about the not record scratch? What's the um? Like microphone, like where it goes out like this or something. Do you? Do am I making any sense? No. Nah, it's all right. Whatever. It's all cheesy nonsense. Android's Dungeons show about games, Valentine's, Valentine's, music, movies, things that happened. I was walking in that day. Happy Valentine's Day, Jack. Happy Valentine's Day, Joel. It's definitely the time of the year. That exact day when the show is being recorded doesn't feel weird at all. Talking about this. Today is the day that um, to. Spend time with the the province you love the most, and for me, that's Saskatchewan. <laughs> Explain. I have an appointment with uh, some <laughs> Saskatchewan uh, government staff to talk about a fiber line. Uh, it's not quite as funny as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's not very interesting. But <laughs> it, it is funny to think of Saskatchewan as somebody's favorite province. Saskatchewan, we I was telling Joel about this. We we just finished, uh, Kale and I finished the uh, third season of Fargo, which is up on Netflix right now. And I love, love, love the series. I'm an evangelist. Everyone should watch it. It's filmed in Calgary. Hmm. And it, it's funny how Calgary is a perfect just recreation of what the Yanks think Minnesota is. And <laughs> it's probably pretty close. I've never seen yeah. Minnesota personally, but it, it's all this. It, it's not a pretty show in the sense of... Um, it's it's beautifully directed. The lighting, the sound, the acting is everything is ten out of ten. But the the actual landscape is purposefully this sort of depressing blandness that I think accentuates the <laughs> the the violence they and the terror. They the, didn't have to do anything with, with the it. sets. And it's always gray. There's always this, there's snow on the ground, but it gets slushy and it's just gross. And there's salt everywhere, and everything just looks. It, it you know how when you you're sick of winter and you look outside and you just your shoes are covered in salt stains and the the roads are ugly and there's just chunks of garbage yeah. everywhere. There's chunks where there's not ice, but yeah. those chunks where there's not ice are like thick layers of brown salt. Yeah, it's disgusting. That you have to trudge through and then it gets into your front entrance. Yeah, and then you're looking at that and you're like, I'm done with this season. I'm out of here. And I wonder then for Fargo if they have like a limit of uh, season that they can film in. Like Absolutely. things kick into March and April and they're like, well, we got to wrap up. Guys. Well, that's Let's it. The, the last episode. Uh, spoiler alert for someone, but the, the one of the characters is fleeing. He's leaving uh, Minnesota, 
and uh, it's clearly the to Saskatchewan. Well, that's what it's like. It's, everything's flat magically, <laughs> and then there's it, it's spring-like. So there's no snow on the snow on the ground or very little, and it's and they and I think they even like it's because this show they're clever enough to understand that they've got a limited window here, and it does take place over the period of that time. So at least it can be thematically explained. But the, it is a little abrupt if you're not paying attention. But yeah. it's the when they're out in the wilderness, it looks absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I think that's I don't know if Minnesota actually has wilderness that nice, but <laughs> you know, Fargo, everyone. Uh, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Well, we had a, a bit of a gap there. I don't know if our dedicated fans noticed, but we had a rerun, rerun last week, uh, which I'm sure was enthralling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they all are, Joel. <laughs> uh, so we've got a lot to catch up on. I, I think I, I'm going to hit the three major points. Okay. Um, I've been playing a lot of Spirit Island. Mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot of Vermintide. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been trying a lot of cool new games out on Tabletop Simulator. All right, so let's. I like the order of this so far. So you say a lot of Spirit Island. I've played it twice with you both times because you have the game. Yep. How many more times have you played it since? A uh, total of three. Okay. So just one extra time. How did the third time go? Uh, I would say not as good as the first time because we weren't cheating, but still much better than the second time. Now, what happened with the second time? Was it just, was it bad luck? Were we not doing things properly or what? I'll be honest. I think Sam We was, forgot about the abilities. Bad. That's right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We all, for, yeah, we all forgot our abilities, but also I think Sam was kind of unsure what to do and was always kind of, I was trying to get my stuff in order and try to figure stuff yeah. out. And I kept hearing from her. I really, I really have no idea what I should be doing. <laughs> so I come over, I don't know, just do that one. <laughs> so I don't think it was going very well. It's tough. It's like like we were saying on the other time about the show, the first time we played, was that for me, it's just mental shutdown. It's like government shutdown. Uh-uh. This is just brain collapse. I can barely it's figure out what I'm doing. AP. Yeah. Yeah, but so what is Spirit Island? It is, uh, I don't know if this will relate to our theme or not. It's a co-op game, so I guess if you really like spending time with someone. And I guess, like, to, how, before it's you go really any romantic. I, I guess. Murdering <laughs> settlers. Mur- yeah. That's what we're all about. And terrifying them. And That's what I do them. every Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to do too many jokes. Um, it's a, it is a cooperative game where you play a ghost on an island or spirit and you're trying to get rid of the invaders that are showing up through any means necessary. But it's co-op. That means you've got to help your friends, and they're going to help you. And it's also a, um, how would I call it, disaster mitigation simulation because every <laughs> round bad stuff is happening, and you have to figure out how to either prevent it or mitigate the badness. Yeah, that's right on. It's just like a combination of we need to get rid of all these guys, but we also know more uh, showing up <laughs> that they're all going to build towns and cities and every town and city is also going to spawn a whole bunch of dudes and yep. we just need to create a situation where as little of that happens yep. so that next round we can i don't know it's, just it's hold easy on. <laughs> it's absolutely simple it's, it's the easiest game i've ever played i win every time it's a joke <laughs> you know what's funny jack is i'm thinking about it like we've played three times the third time i feel like we were we had a pretty good handle on what we wanted to do did you win as, yeah okay but like Barely, like we were into the third round, you know, where two things started. Yeah. But this is the thing, is that we weren't incompetent. We were doing everything right. We were using our abilities. Yeah. And yet, we're 
barely scraping by the intro level where yeah. we're getting free cards handed to us that'll match our races perfectly and everything's like uh holding our hands now here's a better question because so like joel is saying intro mode the so the normal game is you have a, a fat stack of cards you're drawing from and you're doing blind draws essentially you draw four and you keep one of them in the intro game you have and this is for your power creep like you that's how you add to your deck so there's light deck building elements to this game but in the intro hand-holding version, they already have the cards you're going to acquire throughout the game already stacked up. Now, is there limits? Or can you, like, in the normal, like, if you're not playing the intro, can you always be adding more cards to your hand? So in the regular version, you'll look at four minor cards or four major cards. You'll pick one. Yeah. If you pick a major card, you have to forget a different card. But is there a limit, though? Can I just keep adding minor oh, cards? Oh, no, yeah. You can keep stacking up. So in a sense, it's it, like, and this is what I was going to say, is that maybe the training wheels game is al almost limiting because they've taken the most, the optimal cards, but they're not, they're, they're saying these are optimal based on your elements. And you yeah. sh it's helping you. So the training wheels, but they're slowing you down, perhaps, and they're not situational. And maybe yeah. you'd want some variety, but just me. Anyway. Who knows? Yeah, but that's the thing is that there's a lot, there's a lot to change. Where in our game, maybe we want to just do some damage, get rid of them because it's a simple game. Yeah. But in say for example, you're fighting against the English. They're yeah. building a bunch of cities and towns. So all of a sudden, abilities that destroy or prevent cities and towns become a, a powerful. Portuguese, I think they just swamp in with a ton of dudes. Mm. I don't remember what the Swedish do. I think they're really aggressive or something. But the thing is, is there's 16 difficulties of this well, game, and we're barely just holding on on level one. Which is nuts. <laughs> so I don't know when I'm going to get the opportunity to uh, to ramp it up. Like, there's some people online, you know. There's always somebody. Always just, one guy. <laughs> just like, oh, Spirit Island is too easy to beat it. On Show me you're level. not cheating. <laughs> yeah. Show me, yeah. It's one of those things, it's like, maybe you can hear somebody who's being a tough guy about a video game, it's like, okay, post footage, show me how, alright, he's alright. <laughs> yeah. But when you hear these internet tough guys talking about being so good at some of these cooperative games that are infamously difficult, it's like, show me. Yeah. Show me that you aren't accidentally forgetting a rule, or you're not screwing something up here, or you're not just playing by yourself and have mathematically optimized every move. And it, like, is I'd it a be game? Gloomhaven on every hardest difficulty. Maybe Gloomhaven is one of those things, because not to fall down too hard into that, but it's like, if you you start out easier, and then you can crank up the difficulty as soon as you've got... Because I think starting out crazy difficult from the get-go is just a nightmare. You're not going to... Level two. It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him open the door, no! No, no! Anyway, Gloomhaven's still great. Yeah. I was looking at it the other day. <laughs> Gloomhaven, not on Tabletop Simulator. Probably because of takedown notices. Yep. Um, which yeah. we'll get into in a second, or do you want to move into it right now? And let's just go, because we've got it right now. Tabletop sure. Simulator, that's Joel's number two. What is Tabletop Simulator? Tabletop Simulator is a platform. It's basically, like, it looks like it's designed for VR play. And I know that when you, lo when you launch it, it gives you the option right there. It says, do you want to play this normally, or do you want to play it VR? And um, obviously, I can't afford that. So, and why would I maybe want to? But um, so I'm using VR mouse and a, and a keyboard. Mouse and keyboard promo. Hit F to flip card. <laughs> flip card or flip table? <laughs> well, you can flip the table too. That's <laughs> probably another key. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, it's kind of it's it's basically like uh, everyone's got a personal section, and you can play around with stuff in that, and people won't be able to see what you're doing. So, like, if you want to look at cards, that kind of thing. 
And then the middle of the table is just an open space. Anybody can affect it. Mm-hmm. Anybody can click on your stuff, click on their stuff. Knock so over the board and stuff. It's, yeah, it's a matter of just uh, just like a real board game. Just just like the real thing, Jack. Just, just um, like it. And it's basically like they just throw a digital version of the game on the table and you play. Now, Joel, is this digital version of the game... Every, the creators license it and design it himself and put it out there for the players to enjoy. Right? Obviously. No, uh, it's fan-driven, I'll say. And, and fans are really enthusiastically uh, scanning and taking pictures and uh, 3D rendering pieces and cards and chits and organizers and everything and rules, which is really helpful. Um, and then creating save states. Because basically it's it's... Think of it as like uh, Warcraft 3 map editor, and we're all building a bunch of fun custom games, except the custom games are real board games that exist in real life. Yeah. And, uh, and the funny thing is that um, you say that as a joke, but there are quite a few designers that have actually built, like most famously probably Scythe, um, have actually built a game for Tabletop Simulator that you can buy for another five bucks or something well that's it so you can buy the game for right now it's on sale for about 12 bucks i think right now or less ten dollars uh regular price is about twenty dollars canadian and as soon as you you you're looking at the game you have the option to buy a couple of actual licensed games too and scythe is one of them and I forget dlc the, dlc yeah that's what they're calling this stuff but it is fascinating this gray area as far as legality goes of these because we've talked about co- you can't copyright mechanics but you can copyright images and stuff. And mm-hmm. in this case, the images are right there. So that's clear copyright infringement as An far exact as... exact replica. Exact yeah. replica, whether somebody scanned it or or how they managed to get the, the artwork onto there. So that's a clear-cut case of somebody taking assets, literal uh, assets, and tra- transponding them. Tra- no, that's not it. But what, tra- uh, putting them onto uh, the digital version. They're stealing, Jack. But are they stealing? <laughs> Did you pay for any of are you are you giving them money for this no. digital recreation? So in the sense it's like you're getting this whole copyright infringement idea. It's like when you download a movie or a game, are you stealing You wouldn't download a car. You wouldn't Josh. download a car. You wouldn't download Feast for Odin, would you? <laughs> yeah, I think I've actually hit subscribe on that one. I own it. I feel totally I could I'll do whatever I want with my yeah. <laughs> digital editions of Feast for Odin. You could upload it yourself. Well, that's a lot of work. I'm not doing that. <laughs> But anyway, it's just I think it's a, an interesting gray area, and I know for Kickstarter games, I've definitely seen a couple of them saying, "Try it, try out the prototype on Tabletop Simulator." Ah, oh, so they've probably put the work in themselves just exactly. to throw in a po- prototype. Which is the thing; it's actually kind of apparently not too easy to get your game onto Tabletop Simulator. Uh, like officially, or what do you mean to create it yourself? Unofficially, yeah. I was reading a guy that was saying that there, a lot of stuff gets vetted out. So apparently the stuff that's that's there that you're looking at this list of like 3000 yeah. is actually been called down and tabletop simulator whoever's running the uh running the show is has green light at these guys. Interesting. I would have thought for sure it'd just be entirely community driven and that's yeah. that's not saying things aren't called but the idea of like being a committee or someone actually uh, of people actually saying no this is garbage because I'm, the only, first thing I think of is do you remember Newgrounds? Yep. So there you'd have this anyone could submit anything. Yeah. 
and then there was this portal and you can always look at the new stuff and it was up to you and the community would give it yes or no and if something gets enough yes then it would make it into this area here and then anyone can look at it and if it gets enough thumbs down or whatever immediately it gets destroyed right off the bat and yeah i think vice versa like things can get puffed up and down as you yeah and on, what but. was confusing when i was going through is that a lot of stuff didn't have ratings and then you know you're not obviously you're not going to pick anything of a version of a game you want to get unless it's got like at least four stars mm. you're looking at something with two stars three stars you're like well this could be garbage right like yeah. i loaded up the version of dc they had and the images all aired out so there's some out there that uh, aren't working. Errored? Like E-R-R-O-R? Yeah. Interesting. So is that just like a so f- it was just bad a, version it was or just something? just blank cards. Weird. Yeah. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it's just a bug they have to work out. But Bottom line is that if you, I guess, would you endorse it? I haven't touched it yet. I bought it, but it's like I was just looking through the list of things. It's kind of like I'm still unsure about it, I'd say. Uh, but it's definitely fun. Like I've wanted to play King of Death for a long time. But it's like eight hundred dollars. I can load it up and just read through the rules. Uh, I'm sure the rules are in a PDF somewhere online, but you know, at least I have like the physical board in front of me, so I can see. Okay, here's a reference, and then I kind of zoom out and I see. Okay, there's the thing. Yeah, this is what I do. Uh, We we have played a couple games. We played Star Realms. We played Patchwork, which worked okay. And I need to point out here, too, that these are both games that already have official applications, <laughs> like <laughs> official digital versions. Yeah, and uh, we checked out Spirit Island, and uh, we had fun. I mean, it's you're kind of just laughing at the silliness of the table because sometimes you go to pick up a card off the deck and you accidentally pick up the whole deck. And you're just, ah, oh, because it's like, it's click, click a short time to click a card, click and hold, hold it to, to grab the deck. But the time is... is so could you pick up the deck and just whip it away and like all the cards go flying? I think it, it stays in a group until you ungroup it. So could you theoretically just start drawing like crazy and just oh, whipping yeah. cards all over the place? And I think there's functions to do that. Just like swipe the table. Because <laughs> <laughs> Curtis did that at the end of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I said, flip it, flip it. Well, that's it too. So it's physics based. So if you've ever seen some of those things like the most infamously the uh, surgeon simulator game, Ugh. remarkably similar in the sense of it's a first person perspective. And in this case, I don't think there's any hands out in front of you. It's all invisible, but the objects the tools, exist yeah. in this sort of 3d digital universe of you interact with it and it, the physics carry over to the object. So and if people you... accidentally chopping people in half and stuff. Oh, and <laughs> it's like surgeon or... videos of the sim- surgeon simulator. Yeah, I'm terrible at it. Absolutely. Can maybe if there was actual VR goggles and I was using my hands, it'd be more interesting. But the mouse, which I think is a difficult part, I no, yeah. <laughs> that man's dead. I killed him. <laughs> Pulling out his brain with your whatever. And last but not least, the game of yeah, <laughs> as yeah. far as I'm concerned, controversy. The game Jack dodged. Um, yeah, it's. Uh... Vermintide 2, sequel to Vermintide 1. I definitely never played games like this before, but I guess it's a first-person shooter, which is mostly melee. So it's you've got a gun and you've got a ranged weapon and a melee weapon, and you can use your ranged weapon when you're just picking off little groups of uh, enemies, rolling through this uh, sort of like dungeon. You're always running through a dungeon with a whole bunch of rats and ogres. That's the game. So we've skipped a step here. It's a it's a cooperative ooh theme yeah. of a bunch of adventures set in this medieval Warhammer universe where the Skaven and I don't know what they call the ogres or do they just call them ogres? Yeah, I think they're ogres. Yeah, and it, it's imagine Left 4 Dead except more melee focused and with the Warhammer bent and I think abilities and 
Like, it's not just yeah, pure skill like that. There's a bunch of stuff. I don't know. They, jackets, loot boxes. What? It's 100% just... They're loot boxes? Grind. Get there's loot grinding? boxes. Yeah. I mean, you you finish a mission. Uh, it's meaningless. You get some loot boxes, and then you get a better ability, oh, and then you just finish another mission. I dodged mission. a bullet. I dodged a bullet. I had no idea. I thought it was a standalone. <sighs> like, here, this is what it is. Left 4 Dead style. Like... The, and anything will give you more things. It's no, not... it's all server-based. That's right. There's no dedicated and servers. And so anytime you just want to quick play, you just want to run in with some bots, have some fun. No, random people will automatically join your game. Wow. And then they may be good, they may be bad. Who knows? There's a, a lot of glitches. I'll just Right off the bat, I've started a couple of games the last couple of days where once I finished loading and I had bo- we had bots on our team or I had all bots, mm-hmm. The bots would have started like at the beginning of the loading, so they're two minutes ahead of you. What in the progress? So they're like you're just running through the map, and it's empty because the bots have just killed everything. Cruising along, trying to catch up. And the thing is, the pace of the game is so fast that you don't really need to slow down. So the bots are just basically just grinding through the game for you. And you're just like, why That's am I bizarre. here? That's bizarre. And the thing about the bots is, I don't know, maybe it's the difficulty, but they seem to be fine they could just win the game you could just sit at the beginning of the game and just wait okay <laughs> but turning to the other side right in its defense uh when positives. you've got a group of three or a group of four of friends and you're all on discord oh friends yeah friends so right right never there, happening <laughs> right there jack's never gonna enjoy this game you <laughs> <laughs> can't get him <laughs> Like but if you get into that situation, then you can all run around and one guy gets hooked on a pole or something or gets <laughs> stabbed by an assassin. You can save him, and, and that f- feels good and yeah. funny. And, uh, yeah, you need to be in your group because certain special enemies will just straight up kill you yeah. if you're alone. So it sounds like Left 4 Dead. It's Left 4 Dead, yeah. I was describing it, and I was like, oh, but there's also this thing uh, to Mark. And every little thing, he's like, yep, that's in Left 4 Dead, too. Have you never played it? No. I mean, yes, once, like, in a net cafe in Richmond, B.C., back in 2010. (laughs) A net cafe in Richmond? Are you sure? That doesn't sound like it exists. I love Left 4 Dead. The first one I played, I remember um, I was always envious when it came out because I didn't have a computer that could run it when it came out initially. So I was living vicariously through um, my my roommates who had a copy. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then when I got it, I was like, I was loving it. I'm not great at it. Um, I would never play anything below advanced, but that's only with friends because the yeah. bots are, again, like you're saying, the bots are, they mix, there's a mix between competent and idiotic. And the, the computer has a good way of being like, like, it'll do these twitch shots sometimes. It's like, oh, yeah, that was a computer shot for sure. Like, it just was way too good. Perfect. The other times where it's doing something totally stupid and you're just banging your head against the wall. It's like, come on. This is like, not even a human player would be this bad. Yeah. Um, I had him get stuck a couple times too and I couldn't get him off. So that was just the end of the mission. Oh. Just like they're trying to climb a ladder and all of a sudden they're just s- s- swimming in the air yeah. or something. Yeah, that's good. I think the issue is that, like, how long are the missions? How long would the average? 40 minutes. Oh, oh, <laughs> mercy. Unbelievable. Like, I started one the other day thinking I had time, and then it was just coming into the big climax right when I had to leave. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, maybe if the time limits aren't so long, like a glitch that causes your game to stink, 
or like you have to quit, not a huge deal. But if you're sinking forty minutes into a game, and yeah, it's an investment. Yeah. Anyway, what's your what's your verdict? I'd give it a solid uh, chopping three red three rats heads off out of ten. Three out of ten. Whoa! It's like it's a, it's a really bad game with a ton of glitches. Wow! And the only thing fun about it is getting into Playing a group with friends, and yeah. just slapping around. Wow, that's harsh. I didn't think it was gonna. You were yeah, gonna it's, get... it's awful. Interesting. Wow, that is a genuinely. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna let's I'm gonna make things happier here. <laughs> All right, Jack, what have you been playing lately? Uh, first off, I'm gonna start with um, I have finished Resident Evil 2, the remake. Hey. Both um, every character is A and B scenarios, uh, both sides of them. First thing, let's get the bad stuff out of the way. The B scenarios are half-assed. Uh, I think I talked about this last time. I can't remember. But in the original game, what happened was that you have two characters. You have Claire and Leon. They're both in Raccoon City. They're both zombies everywhere. But they both have unique stories based on whether you're doing A or B. And uh, what was cool was that there are little things that you would never see if you're playing the A scenario, and there are little things you wouldn't see if you're playing the B scenario. So everyone was saying, oh, this will be interesting. I wonder what the the Japanese, what the Capcom fellows are going to get up to with this one. And you see it right away. You can start with that, and you think, cool, neat. You go to the B scenario, and it's like, oh, they half-assed this. Because Mm. you're still seeing almost exactly the same stuff you see, but there's also continuity errors where it's like, this doesn't make any sense because in the, the A scenario, this guy was ripped in, or, or the A scenario, this guy's fine, but in the B scenario, this guy's ripped in half halfway through. And why was he still doing stuff? And then just like, it's neat and I'm glad it's there, but at the same time, it's almost like you, you can almost feel like they, they're looking at each other like, oh, we, got, I, we promised a B scenario. All right, well, let's just do it. Cause it <laughs> and what's neat is that there are unique areas that you won't see as other characters mm. and there's and the story is slightly different but it's more just based on the character itself mm. rather than a or b which is a little cheesy um that said the game is outstanding i love it it's it's i think it's going to age well because there's a bunch of dlc coming out that's free so right away i'm happy when you get free story-based dlc f- that's mm. drip fed out and um First one is on uh, February 14th, so hey, happy, <laughs> happy Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day, which is today. <laughs> uh, so you're, so you're going to spend Valentine's Day uh, playing Resident Evil? Playing too. Resident Evil, and then Kayla can, I don't know, watch Netflix or something. <laughs> That's not happening, We've folks. already had a point of contention, Sam. So are you going to skip soccer on uh, next Thursday, Valentine's Day? Baby, they need me. <laughs> uh, uh, well, it's not very long, you know. <laughs> <laughs> at least soccer is soccer it's like it's hard for the justify sitting in another room with headphones on like, staring at pixels but uh, anyway verdict is that it's still the game has held up incredibly well and there's there's good replay value because there's a lot of achievements there's unlockable weapons it's actually difficult if you're trying to get some of these s plus rankings for these characters to get the cool weapons um and i, I don't want to jinx it but it's my game of the year so far already Ooh. so it's, somebody's gonna have to try real hard to in february in february and so. this is a remaster or remake remake, remake from the ground up and i think a lot of people are excited because including myself and i'm not even a huge um resident evil 3 fan but resident evil 3 nemesis was made pretty close after re2 and the whole premise behind that is that you've got this character nemesis who's this super hulked up tyrant version that's chasing you all throughout the city 
And in RE2, they, the remake, they made the character like that already, which is Mr. X. You've seen a lot of memes of him going around where there's yeah. this big trench-coated guy who's wearing a hat, and he's walking around, and you hear if you make noise, he follows you. There are a couple of spots. As soon as you know the area, the game a bit better, it's like, oh, he can't go in here. So it's kind of goofy that it's like, he's just, <laughs> goodbye, and you just walk into a room, and he doesn't show up in there for some reason. Yeah. But it's still, the first time you see him, it's terrifying, and when you don't know what you're doing, he's still really scary. The the remake for three, which is inevitably coming because they already did all the hard work for this one, will be I think incredible if they don't drop the ball completely. But seeing as this one's selling really well, and for once a company has listened to fans who said, "Get away from this garbage you've been putting out. Give us something that we actually want." And they said, "Okay, we listen," yeah. <laughs> and, and it's good. So it, it gave me hope, Joel, because this is the one game that I didn't want them to drop the ball on because <laughs> nice. I've had such a, a bad track run record. So Japan is still on fire. Japan's still on fire. They can't. They they can make plenty of mistakes, but I just haven't seen any of them so far. So I uh, found one. There's near Automata. You fight this really crazy boss. Yeah. It's a it's it a one cir- super circular hell? robot. Yeah. And you finally beat it, and it's like whew, got out. You go out. Everything's on fire, and what's the laziest thing the designers could do? It was a dream. I don't know. <laughs> Throw the same boss at you. Again. Oh no! <laughs> exact same boss <laughs> immediately after you've beaten it, but like you know, five minutes later. So yeah. there's enough of a gap where like, something new could happen. Now, is it even tougher or is it identical? It's the same. Okay. Now, is this is this part of the normal thing or is this for a special ending and trying to unlock something? Well, I don't know. I, I think it's the normal story, but you never know with Nier. Yeah, all over the place with their special endings and stuff. Yeah. Um, I did see something recently of, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's actually the woman who did the motion capture for, uh, but it was more showing just like the, what her movement of, it's more like she's dancing with a sword than actually doing like formal, like kendo technique and something. And that was, it was kind of cool to see. I don't know if it was real or not, <laughs> uh, but it, it was, if. The motion capture that goes into these, some of these games is pretty cool when you see behind the scenes of what people are up to. It looks really goofy <laughs> simultaneously. Like you see some of the Death Stranding behind the scenes or sort of motion capture of like Norman Reedus <laughs> wearing this stupid green outfit with the little balls. And to pret- yeah. and you got this Hideo <laughs> Kojima pre- now pretend to be sad hoarding baby. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> oh, okay, you, you got to see this thing. It's, uh, it's from the Avengers. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It's from Supergirl. Super- and in like the oh, show. Oh, the TV show, yeah. And they're all doing these things where, like, she's shooting ice oh, or something. Oh, it's out always of her, embarrassing. And he's creating a whirlwind. Seeing that but stuff. But then you see without it, and this guy's just waving his oh, arms in a so circle. And she's going, <gasps> It's. <laughs> as, as an actor, you just. You must just have to embrace it and just have some fun with it. But, like, that's the thing. Like, you see all these green screen things that's like how hard is it to pretend you're you're a grown man <laughs> pretending to shoot fire out of your hands or something there's nothing around you and you're kind of like seems kind of cool it's kind of neat i guess but people always gave the prequels uh the star wars prequels a lot of crap for like just tons of green screen but ironically yeah. the the new movies are so bad people are back to loving the prequels again and there were tons of these there were huge sets actually built for these the prequels yeah. in some of these cases obviously lots of like a lot of backgrounds were green screen and some famous areas were green screen but in general there was more to work with for the actors in a lot of cases than you'd give them credit for but everybody loves that new uh, avengers and i guess it came out recently it was 97 percent green screen shot with cgi holy smokes only 3% of the movie which is probably just them like talking walking down a road yeah i was gonna yeah. say scotland was the only thing that came to mind that's wild the rest is cgi another funny thing that you may have seen too is the 
and somebody made a super cut of like actors um, doing what they pretending to fly. And what they do is they're always like, they, they just, there's this just jump in the air and then they just crumple onto some <laughs> mattresses in front. But then obviously like they, like, you know, they kind of poochy like, up into the air like, oh boy. But it kills the, it's, I don't know. I think there's some of these special effects, like watching the behind the scenes of the matrix. I think everyone should watch it just from a sheer, like for, I, I didn't watch the third behind the scenes, but the first two matrixes seeing the the production and what goes on behind is just mind blowing. And even, mm-hmm. even the stuff that like you could say maybe hasn't held up as well, but just from a sheer technical standpoint is insane. And like the, all the stuff they have to do for the famous uh, lobby shootout oh, uh, yeah. and how they actually blow up like that whole door thing. Like obviously CGI parts of that, but the fire that comes out, that was like legit. And yeah. I think it was, I don't know if it was on purpose, you know, how when the elevator closes and then the one piece is like then classic little bit. But anyway, legendary, yeah. incredible stuff goes into that. Um, if only the script was any good. Oh. I mean, the first one was fine. First one's fantastic. Second one, I'll defend. Third one's just whoa, <laughs> what happened? Don't worry, we're getting another one. We'll get the. We're, we're getting a. I thought uh, they're doing the ones okay. set with the original one. The Matrix the, re-reloaded. Re-reloaded. <laughs> 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 she has to do the foley work for it. Just a bunch of humans making noises. Um, all right, so let's take a break here, and then we'll come back and have yeah, a discussion. Yeah, get some more. To... You got a second game, don't you? Yeah, so we'll come back and, and we'll. I think the the stuff I we played last night we can tie into oh. uh, some stuff. Sounds uh, good for now. So stay tuned. Storms are tears to 
CFRU 93.3 FM, what you just heard was Worm Tamer by Grinder Man from, oh lord, uh, 2010 album? Uh, Grinder Man 2 of <laughs> basically the Nick Cave side project that featured everyone except people he didn't like from the first band, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's fantastic. I love it. I saw Grinder Man once in Toronto at the Phoenix, and um, I was really excited for this show. I remember we uh, we went to Toronto, picked up some. We got some M and M's before we went, <laughs> and I'm convinced it was the M and M's fault. But I remember we had a drink before the show. I'm getting in there, and I'm having my. I'm finishing my drink, and I remember feeling weird. And go to the show, and the show starts. And it's I love concerts where it's just like you're standing. They're up on the stage. It's loud as heck, and there's there's no worry about seating or goofy like VIP front row seats. It's like everyone's there. Get you go where you want to go. And you're happy. But I remember being there and feeling the the air pushing at me from these speakers. And I'm like, uh-oh, I'm in the sweet spot. <laughs> I don't want to be in the sweet spot. And at one point, I remember turning to the person next to me and saying, I'm not feeling so. And the next thing I know, I see people looking over me and, and, and the person saying, Jack, Jack, you okay? And it's like I would passed out in the, passed the show. Out. And I'm convinced it was like a mix of like low blood uh, sugar and just uh, – um, blood pressure thing, just not feeling great, and then the show just pushing me over the edge. But Jack, you're dying. I'm dying, man. I'm dying, Larry. <laughs> dying, dying to see more. Uh... Dying. Unfortunately, the band doesn't exist anymore, so that was my shot. Yeah. <laughs> when was this? Uh, 2010, probably. Oh, okay, <laughs> somewhere around there. All right, he's recovered. <laughs> sort of gotten a bit better. Anyway. Worm Tamer, which is a very sexy song. If you actually look at the lyrics, all better. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go into it, but it's, the title's right there, man. Um, <laughs> so before we went to the music, um, I said there was going to be... I played a bit more stuff last night, or depending on when you're listening to the show, <laughs> a few days ago. A while ago. A while ago. And uh, so I'll quickly just rattle them off. Uh, I played Baron Park, a game I've wanted to play for a mm, long time. Yeah. Absolutely adored it. Um, is it unique enough for someone to pick up if you already have like um, Patchwork and uh, Feast for Odin and um, I'm trying to think of any other polyomino type game? I would say yes. It, mm. The theme alone is, is cute and it plays nicely. But what's neat is it has these, these victory uh, or point tokens that reward you for building certain types of parks or getting certain types of combinations of pieces. And I think that alone kind of pushes it into this like replayability territory. It's a very quick game. It's very pretty. Setup is slightly annoying uh, because you have this board you fold out, and each piece has its own se- special spot on there. So kind of like mm. these row when you're setting it up, and you have to put all the um, 
special smithing pieces or the special like looting pieces and then you've got well, whatever but in general very cute game even though i will say the number one criticism is they put koala bears <laughs> didn't they put that in the rules they said uh we acknowledge that koalas aren't really bears but they're really cute so we're gonna put them in this game i don't know the people whose game it was did not acknowledge that but i was losing it a bit <laughs> no yeah it's i i've definitely read through the rules and it's in there yeah which is adorable. Don't get me wrong. Even though koala bears, I've heard, are quite vicious. Like, they are not, and generally they speaking, have, they're uh, not nice. They all have syphilis. Do no, they? chlamydia. Chlamydia? Like, yeah. what, are they born with it or something? No, it's an epidemic right now. Oh, geez, and that's horrible. Through the koala population of Australia is just... I, I don't want to know how like they got... 90, 90% of them or something. <laughs> oh, no, the poor nuts. guys. Yeah. Hopefully they get over it, because I think they are cute. Uh, Kid Qual is a good musician as well, so <laughs> I hope he doesn't have chlamydia. <laughs> he might, I don't know. Uh, so we did, we did Baron Park. And then, um, continuing with the the theme park theme, we did a quick game and actually flew a lot faster of Unfair, mm. and nice. they enjoyed it, and I got crushed. How uh, many themes? Everyone picked on me. There were four themes, oh. and it was just it was just constant, Joel. It was anytime something bad could happen, it was just you could feel every head turn. <laughs> Everybody picks up their event card and looks at Jack. looks at me. And I wasn't even doing that well, which was weird. It was like you can understand if you're like you're cruising, it's like, all right, I'll suffer the slings and arrows because I'm winning. Did Kayla win again? Um I don't remember. It was either her or the the other girl. She may have won. I don't think so. I can't recall. Bottom line is she was topped. If she Top didn't tier. win, it was it was close. Um, and I was just struggling. At least nobody blew up my super attraction this time. I was thinking about Unfair after the last time we played and how, you know, it's very clear what you need to do, and that's just build one one attraction really big. It's just how to get there that's so tricky because the, the bigger you build it, the the more people start to look at it. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's how easy it is to get shut down and blown like up. Taking, taking some of your turns, your action turns each time to draw extra event cards to defend... Yeah. Uh, but then obviously you're building up less and it gets shut down. You lose all your income. Yeah. It's, it's a very, I don't, it, it's not a great game. It's a fun game as far as I'm concerned. And I think I love the theme and I think it's adorable, but there's tons of balance issues and there's, there's a really negative part of the game where you're just fishing for something, especially, I think the blueprints are a trap unless oh, you're playing with two players. I hate blueprints. Cause it's just so difficult. It was to really get. funny. Cause at the beginning of the game, I was like, I'm not going to play with blueprints. And then I got a, oh, I'll just my take first <laughs> event card was take a free blueprint. Yeah. So well, like, why not? Oh, now I got it. Yeah. I, I did one of my blueprints. The other one I thought I was going to get because I thought, okay, I've got the, the base piece. But as soon as you see something like, okay, oh, I need two quality icons. Okay. I've got those in my hand right now. You need a vampire theme. Uh-oh. <laughs> and it's like I went through the entire game, didn't get a single one. Yeah. And it was just a perfect example of like it's impossible with higher player counts. Well, you saw time. me in the last game. I was just fishing for a food uh, attraction. A, any food attraction. Wow. That, and Which there was that tons tricky. of them. Yeah. I fished six times. And you couldn't get it. Like discard a card, draw five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. Impossible. Which is, again, it's like the, the issue with the game, even though like if you're dumpster diving, you think like, especially when discard piles this big, it's like, there's got to be it. It has to be in there. Where is it? I don't know. The dumpster dive event would have been great. Um, anyway, so we did that. Everyone had a reasonable time. Um, then we uh, did container after dinner. Nice. And this oh, is second a lot time. Of games in. Second time I've gotten, con- I've introduced container to people because I'm, I'm, it's a great game, but I'm respecting how easy it is to teach mm-hmm. in that aside from maybe a couple of initial hiccups 
it is just like you know what you're three, doing because there's three things to do yeah there's three things to do and it's 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 very easy to see the gears turning and i, I think maybe i'm just getting excited or uh maybe it's that time of the night when the drink's starting to catch up but i find it's usually there's a lot of excitement and yelling and uh, insulting other people and getting upset when somebody prices something in a certain way. <laughs> and you get to show off your awesome pieces. And too. you show off the pieces. That's the it. Like, ships. As soon as you put those ships on the table, yeah, he was the one, the one fellow was making the noise. And uh, as soon as those ships hit the table, it's like, oh, it's wow, this is incredible. And then they and then this guy knows enough. He's like, how much did this cost? I said, Don't ask. <laughs> but it's just it's nice and it's just it's such a fun game that. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it to because we're going to Milverton next weekend. Nice. And I'm gonna bring it with us and see because I'm pretty sure I can get her um, kills mom to play it. And I, I don't know if her dad. I think would you like can it. probably get your family on board with. Katana. I think this I, is their I tried. Game. I tried to Economic. do it once and it just didn't work out. But yeah, I think so. Economics they and, just didn't start though. Well, that's usually part of the issue. Yeah. So it's non-starter. But anyway, that we did container and we everyone had a ball. I thought I was doing really well and then. Uh, the economy spun out of control for me and I was broke. <laughs> and uh, I think the trick is that you... You, <laughs> you didn't get out your pen and paper, like I was suggesting, and <laughs> find out if each transaction made you money? No, no, it, it, that's the problem. Is it was making me money. It just wasn't making me enough money. <laughs> and the, the thing was that there was a one... The last thing I'll say about this, there was one auction at the end when somebody bid $25 for my containers and it was worth more for me to take the containers. But then I realized that the money I would have had would have let me bully other people in other auctions and it would have translated more. $50. 50 bucks. And it was like, that was a big screw up as far as it goes. So you took it yourself. I took it myself because I thought this is worth it. But in the end, it wasn't worth it, John. I also had two loans outstanding at the end of the game. Oh, and I was just starting to drown. So I had to end 20. it quickly. It was brutal. 22 actually is painful. Uh, so anyway, container, great. The last one, which will lead into... Uh, what we want to talk about, or at least what I want to talk about, is a game called Spectre Ops. Okay. And so you played four games in a night. Four games in a, in a day. Night. We, were fl- we were flying. Well, Baron Park was quick. Uh, Unfair was a little bit slower. Container took a bit longer. But um, this will... So anyway, Spectre Ops yep. is a one versus all game. And I, it's been mentioned a couple times on the show if you, you're our dedicated listener. <laughs> the, the It's a, a genre of game that is probably most people know from... Uh, the very popular game, Scotland Yard. And that's a game that I think is, I wouldn't quite put it in Monopoly territory, but it's its somewhere around like Ticket to Ride territory and that there were a lot of houses that had a copy of this game. And I think it maybe it might be really popular in Europe, believe it or not. Hmm. But it's a, a game where there's a fellow named Mr. X and you're not the character from Resident Evil. You're, you're, he's a, um, I don't know, jewel thief or something. And he's running around England or maybe Europe and you don't know where he is, but you're trying to corner him. You're trying to figure where he is. So one person is Mr. X, and the rest of the team are the investigators. It's a genre of game where typically one person has their own board and pad of paper or something, and they're doing movements secretly, mm-hmm. and everyone else is trying to coordinate and capture this person before they escape or there's a time limit of some sort. So Spectre Ops is a game like this in the sense of one character is the, I don't know, the infiltration unit or the the spy of some sort. And everyone else are the hunters. And you're in this kind of, I don't know, futuristic grid city. And there are four objective tokens that have been placed on the board. And the spy has to get close enough to, at the start of his turn, uh, be next to the token. And then he activates it. And he has to get three of them. And then he has to get out. Board's gigantic. Lots of spaces. And the character who is the agent is making his move secretly. And you're all moving around, and you all have special powers. Mine was, I was like this werewolf beast that if you were, if you move uh, three spaces and you stop, you, 
the agent has to let you know if he's within four spaces of you. Hmm. And Kayla's character was kind of boring. It was the, the puppet, which the whole thing was she could, she was like a robot and she could drive. You have this, this car that drives around and she can move it independently. It was kind of boring. And the third character was the prophet. And this one is that the agent has to inform you um, if the next turn they're going to be completing an objective mm. and can also do this thing where they, they detect where you were two turns ago so you can kind of get a feel of where they were moving oh. around. So bottom line is that they're doing this thing. The agent has 40 turns <laughs> to complete these objectives and get out of Dodge. And um, it was he was actually playing on hard mode by accident because you're supposed to have more abilities or more cards to kind of like kind of these equipment you can use to get out of jams. Oh, okay. Uh, but he shortchanged himself with it because he's playing with three-player rules. But bottom line is that he's doing this, we're doing that. It was fun. It was neat. The the big issue is that um, I was wondering how much downtime he had because that's what I that's the number one the number one thing because when you're because our famous famously we played Fury of Dracula and it took like four or five hours which was just painful but yep. Kayla was Dracula that time and the uh, the other guy and myself we were sitting there and we were talking trying to figure things out for so long and I think there'd be like ten or fifteen minutes between her turns and and us because she knew exactly what she was doing as soon yep. as she was done her turn. Whereas we were trying to figure things out, and it was just very, very long periods of time in between. Yeah. And, and that's that's what they say about one versus many. I mean, yeah. Scotland Yard, they yeah. say the exact, like, shut up and sit down said the exact same thing. You're just sitting there. Staring. Waiting for four people to go. Yeah. And uh, Treasure Island, might, they said, you know, maybe you might be nervous if they're close to finding your treasure. Yeah. But for the most part, you're just sitting there <laughs> yeah. and waiting for them to make their choices. Yeah. Although, didn't they say in Treasure Island that they felt like it wasn't as bad as those other games? Because yeah. there's an interaction, interactive element with the with Long John where you're talking to him and you're asking for clues and at least you're doing stuff. It's not like, I have programmed my move in for the turn. Now I sit there and wait to see yeah. if anyone does anything that would possibly affect me. But either way, one versus all as a genre um, is an interesting idea that some, I don't know if it works perfectly in Spectre Ops, I enjoyed it, but the question is, would I ever want to be that guy, and would I play the game again? And it's like, it's yeah. a maybe on both. It's interesting to put a person that's special, like I think about Mysterium, yeah. where it's one helping all. Yeah, exactly. And, or Deception, like with the, the yeah. forensic uh, guy, even it's, though the games are virtually yeah. identical. But you can't speak. and you're Trying to offer ambiguous clues as code to Code names is essentially the same thing. Yeah, it's interesting. Split into two teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but on the way over here, you brought up something, and you mentioned the idea of, like, <clears throat> the difference between one versus all and, like, traitor elements. And curiously, yep. in Spectre Ops, if you play with five people, one of the hunters is actually secretly assisting the, the agent. So there is this sort of uh, deceptive element to the game, which I think is a neat little twist to throw in there, because, like, yep. which one of you is secretly yeah. sabotaging our efforts to capture this guy? But... The what is there a significant crossover between the one versus all and the sort of the traitor games? Because something like let's say Dead of Winter, where somebody could be the traitor, and it's like, okay, we're working against you, but not exactly working against you, or you're yeah. more undermining us. <laughs> like it's one versus all in the sense you're going after us. Wasn't there antiquity had something like that? Some archipelago brinkmanship. Yeah, well, I don't know about antiquity, but there's archipelago definitely had the you could be the 
the um, I forget the name of it, like the usurper or something, where it's like your whole thing is to create chaos. And yeah, but, but it's then still some people might just be doing that because they do that. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. It could just be they're <laughs> they don't know what they're doing, or they're just <laughs> having trouble with it. Yeah, but. which is always the tricky thing in in intrigue versions of those. Yeah, is 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 this person uh, a traitor? Is they uh, like in Dark Moon? Are they just really unlucky with roles? Dark Moon adds that element there, right? And you can like is that up there with like the Secret Hitler thing, where it's like. You, like unnecessary complications of it because you've yeah. added this randomness to it where it's not it's it's not my fault yeah. i'm not a traitor did you I'm really confident three fascist uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i just articles? passed it i just passed it i noticed secret hitler was a very popular one on uh, tabletop simulator which is kind uh, of interesting yeah. to me. well big groups and you're all distant so where's the i don't know to me that's that those Easier types of games bluff? Way easier to bluff, I guess, because you're not. I'm, I'm not looking you in the eye and kind of doing the Larry David. They should, stare. They should get Secret Hiller on tabletop, but they do a webcam. <laughs> I don't want to look at everybody's, any of these people. Everybody's <laughs> face is there. You see their reactions to every single article <laughs> published. Staring them down. Anyway, um, mm. so anyway, one versus all. Uh, Joel, what are your thoughts on? Because you, oh, we forgot about the uh, pandemic is another great one with the bioterrorist uh, yeah, expansion. Yeah, at least that guy gets to go in between each person's turn. Oh, the, interesting. Just like how diseases are. Uh, yeah, exactly. But it adds one cube or something. It's misterly. Yeah. Mysteriously. Mr. Lee, that's kind of a neat <laughs> mix, mashup of uh, anyway. Mr. Lee. Mr. Lee. So, what do you think of the? Uh, what are your thoughts on the one versus all genre? I think it, I think you nailed it. I think it's really tricky to pull off as a game designer, and sometimes there's major weaknesses, but it's a cool concept. Comet, mm-hmm. most recent expansion for Comet to come out, is it adds a one versus all element. It's the uh, um, I think they just call it Seth and uh, or Set, <laughs> not not friend of the show Seth. Seth Boslins, um, where one character has is playing the evil Egyptian god. And everyone else is teamed up against them. And what's cool is that Set has his own tiles that he's picking from, and he's obviously more powerful than any one character. Yeah. But if everyone teams up on him uh, creatively, it's supposed to be balanced. It's supposed to be balanced, just like that one game of Magic: The Gathering we played. Yeah, where, it was one-headed dragon or something. Yeah, we're all in a team, and we're all we were all trying to fight Rodrigo's um, Nico Bolas, was it? Or, Super guy, yeah. Which was interesting, and in that there was the the event decks that were flopping up. They were always really nasty, yeah. not good stuff. It was good. It, but I, I just don't know if it's... Um, it, it also takes a type of personality to play it, too, because mm-hmm. you need some... And I was so happy that like uh, Evan stepped up to play the 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 spy right away because you got to do that as um, a new player. Like, with new players, like you're not going to throw somebody in there. you got to know what you're doing yeah. if you're the one being chased. Oh, so it's his game. It's his game. Oh, there you go. And... Um, but I think what I'm getting at is that it also creates a situation where you're always, do you want to play this role every time? Are you teaching this game as like a, because um, <laughs> you enjoy teaching it or playing it? Or do you really like being the spy? Or are you doing it because one day maybe someone else will be the spy? Yeah. Or Because he's always done the ghost. Whenever well, with like Codemaster, for example. You're always going to start as the Codemaster just to introduce people to the role. Yeah. And then you bring other people in hopefully i mean this is obviously a much more advanced version but hopefully you get the same situation and at least code like code names it's like as soon as all it takes is one round of like guessing the clues and it's like usually people have they'll, they'll muster the courage maybe it takes two goes of it before they're like okay yeah. i can do this i, I can get this one but if you think about it if you're if you're talking about a one verse many D is essentially the dungeon master oh, interesting is 
the enemy, right? The, right. He controls all the monsters. He decides how strong they are and yeah. who they target and everything. So it's basically just a party versus an individual. Mm-hmm. And it, what you say about uh, Spectre Ops seems about the same, except that they're just directly fighting. Yeah. And it, it's tricky, too. It's like it's not he, – he definitely – when you looked at some of his moves there, it was fun seeing how he kind of – oh, like we moved in a certain way and kind of cut off his roots – and the line of sight in the game is very tricky because you have to have direct line of sight and diagonals don't count. So it's hmm. compass directions. And there were times when when you looked at, because I was frustrated, like, how would he sneak around here? But it's just because it, you can be very crafty with the way the angles are because there's tons of, like, everything is Tetris-shaped hmm. and, and blocks and stuff. So as long as you avoid the main highways which where the car can spot you and uh, if someone's in it. Um, and you just weave around carefully because so what if you know he's within four spaces of you? Because four spaces, that could be diagonal for that because you're yeah. smelling him. So it's like, what am I going to do? There's so many options That's here. It's like a silence in uh... oh, um, <laughs> Captain Sonar. Captain Sonar. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, they could be anywhere. It's like, oh, all right, well, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Just start all over again. Don't, no, don't, what, don't reach the mines. <laughs> but uh, it, w- it was fun. But I think by the end, we were all kind of, I think it didn't help too. It's like it's like twelve thirty at this time, and it's kind of like we're, maybe, we're maybe a little should have bit... been three games after all. Well, it were, it was fine. It was just yeah. I think I was talking to Kale about it after, and I think what I would have liked is if they'd shrunk the board down and kind of. I think there's an issue with scale where Spectre Ops, especially, you want a big scale so that it feels fair for the spy to actually have lots of options move around and not just immediately get funneled into like predictable spots. Um, but at the same time, it adds to the the time length of the game and kind of creates this. Sort of like it also adds time because as the hunters, you're all thinking about, well, where could he have gone? Let's think about this. Let's math out. You can move up to four spaces. And that's something else, too, is that you the car like has this radar that you can use. And it basically, relative to the position of the car, the player or the spy has to announce where they are, northeast, mm. west, whatever. But if the spy only moves two or less spaces, they don't have to announce it because you didn't move fast enough or make didn't enough, trigger the radar. didn't trigger the radar. So there are a couple of times when you ping the car and it's like, you don't hear anything. <laughs> and it's, and then you're just like, well, you can move two spaces, you can move one space. Apparently it's a couple of times you stay in the same spot for a couple of rounds, just like waiting for people to kind of move out of the area, which is smart. Yeah. But uh, it just it just kind of felt a bit long by now, the end. Now, are there things on the map that he's trying to get to? Yeah, th- that's where the objectives are. So he has to start his turn next to an objective. And um, and in order to fight him, too, and that was something else, is that you have to be within, um, I think, uh, I'm not sure if it was within five spaces of him to be kind of like engaging him in combat. But he had this thing where anyone who is X spaces away from him takes, uh, you have to subtract two from every dice roll. So your event got to the point where you had to be on top of him, basically, in order to fight him properly. And I was just rolling so terribly. So it's like, oh, I found him. Nah, rolled a one, I missed, and then he just goes around a corner, and it's like, that's his last, so you put a little token, that's the last spot you saw him, and then he's whew, gone, Poof. and unless you really have gotten so to his head. how long was the game? Felt like an hour and a half, maybe uh, two hours. It's we were all learning. too bad, I guess. Not too bad, but I think just based on what the actual, it just felt long for what the game actually was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. It'd be like, if you're playing Bonanza for two hours, like, Mr. how did this happen? Mr. Jack or something. Mr. Jack, so that's another case, like, how long does Mr. Jack go for? Even though it's just a two-player game. 25 minutes, it? maybe, yeah. half an hour. So, I don't know. Verdict on Spectre Ops, uh, I'd, I'd give it a, 
a B minus C plus mm. in the sense of like it's an interesting game and I wouldn't say no to playing it with someone else, but I don't want to be the spy ever. I think that seems like <laughs> a lot of work and a lot of downtime. Um, Too bad. If you have a, a one verse mini game that you really like and you want us to try it, uh, tweet us at Androids Dungeon uh, Radio, I think. 80 Radio CFRU. Yeah. Check us out on Instagram. Guelph Board Gamers. Yeah, come to the Guelph Board Game Group on Facebook. Joel has done a, a great job of CPRing it's this It's alive! And uh, check us out on Instagram as well. Insta, that's what the kids are calling it, I think. Uh, Androids Dungeon Radio, or 80 Radio again. And you can just come by the station sometime and yeah. look at where the magic happens. And then... We probably won't be here, but... No, we definitely won't be. <laughs> unless you come at a very specific time. But like, hey, if you have a show you want to do... Yeah, that's right. If you so, have an idea come in talk to somebody and uh maybe it'll happen (laughs) maybe not cfru always looking for volunteers yeah so anyway i'm jack i'm joel thanks for listening folks stay tuned